0: Hi everyone, you're very welcome to Stronger with Sport with me, Alan Cawley. This season we will be focusing on the Extra.E FEI Cup and the Evoke.E Women's FEI Cup. Join me and my guests over the next couple of months as we get up close and personal with some of the biggest names in the Irish game. During the series we will be talking to Republic of Ireland's men and women's managers Stephen Kenny and Vera Pau, as well as former Dundalk legend Gary Rogers. To kick things off, we sit down with Sarah Rowe, who has gone from the GAA Fields of Mayo to the Aussie Rules Pro Game down under, and returned to Dublin to join Shelburne. Hi everyone, and you're very welcome to our latest podcast, where today I'm joined by multi-sporting sensation. Sarah Rowe. Sarah, how are you?
1: Good, thanks Is that for intro kiss? Okay, on. Yeah? Oh, it's all right. Yeah, <laughs> I had to throw the multi-sport. Keep it a bit more simple. Exactly. Well, I'm,
0: I'm looking through, obviously, all the research I was doing on you and the different, I suppose, things you've achieved so far in your career. And I don't know where to start because how you fit it all in, it's just so busy.
1: Yeah, as I was saying to you, I actually don't think I can keep it up for myself at this point. Um, but yeah, it's been great. I suppose going between the three different codes um, at the moment has been really good, and like you learn so much in each setup that um, you know does help you forward. So like obviously with Australia on the cards, like I've learned a bit from soccer now that hopefully I can take forward to that, and then come home from Collingwood, take stuff into Mayo. So like they all do relate in some ways, and I think um, that's the good side of things.
0: So as a young girl for Mayo, we're going to cover all those things, as you say, the soccer, the GA, the Australian rules football, the whole lot. But just in terms of I suppose a young girl growing up in Mayo, was there ever any kind of inkling or any idea in your head that this might be the path that you would kinda of go down? No,
1: absolutely not. I never thought that women's sport would be progressing at the rate that it is. I never thought there was gonna be opportunities for women in sports to progress mm. other than an amateur level or, you know, a local level. So I think I I never had that idea in my head. What I did know is that I absolutely love sport. I love to train hard and you know I always worked hard so that's probably the thing that I was like I'm, I want to play sport for as long as I can until I can't so mm. but other than that I just didn't think the pathways would be there which they are now
0: and I suppose when you started off as you say you started playing Gaelic I think when you're only seven eight so very young um, and even then in such a short period of time you mentioned there that you probably didn't feel at that time that the pathways would be there whereas Fast forward, what are we 13, 14 years on and the difference in terms of where women's sport is at at the moment. And even if you only look at the past few weeks in terms of all the success with the Mead footballers and all the exposure it's getting, Kelly Harrington, Katie Taylor. Um, and just even looking at, I think there was a, a newspaper there, it was at all the newspapers, but one of the Mondays, it was just covered, the back page was covered in women's sport, which you probably never would have envisaged that would ever kind of happen in such a quick space of time.
1: Yeah definitely I think like even over the last like maybe five years it's like started to slowly progress and it was a bit of a push and it was hard work at the start Mm. whereas now it's like people are actually really interested people have a lot of respect for female athletes and people actually want to watch it so I think a few years ago it was hard work to get there whereas now it's like you know it's becoming normal which is the best part about it.
0: It's achievable almost for young girls starting off they can actually see because once you see your heroes and you see people as I say Particularly the exposure they're getting. I even remember watching that final, the Mead uh, game a couple of weeks ago with Dublin, and it was just phenomenal. And the Mead, they were so good, the skill sets as well. Um, so I think for young girls to actually visually see you performing in Croke Park, the Aviva Stadium, wherever the case may be, and then they can obviously see that this is achievable, very achievable.
1: Yeah like I get messages on Instagram from young girls saying like you know it's my dream to play soccer for Ireland or it's my dream to play professional football or my dream to play AFL and I'm like reading the message being like that was never my dream because I never knew that was possible but I'm like, it's amazing to to think that them girls can actually, like you said, see it. So once they can see it, they can see a pathway. And they're like, well, these are the steps I need to take. These are the people I need to, these are the teams that I need to play with in order to get to where I want to be. Whereas before it was just like, you're just playing, you're doing your best and you're hoping that one day maybe them opportunities will come.
0: Do you ever feel, uh, because of that, and I know social media now is so kind of, prominent in everybody's life and stuff like that and you mentioned there that you get messages from young girls do you ever feel though a responsibility on you to when you do go out and play and do go out and perform that you're obviously representing I suppose the girls and playing sport and stuff but also young girls who are looking at you thinking there's Sarah doing, doing her thing now and I have a responsibility to go out and perform and do well and and conduct myself in a way as well that obviously young girls are looking so almost like a role model type figure.
1: Yeah, like you really do feel that I think especially in recent years, and it's not something I suppose you don't you know you pick to be a sports person, you work hard, you're so individually focused, you know to be collectively focused for your team, but you have to focus so much on yourself that you never really see I suppose the outside, you know what everyone else's like maybe perception of you is. So like you feel, I suppose, a sense of, not pressure, I wouldn't call it pressure, but like, you know, that sense of being like, I do need to conduct myself. You you didn't pick to be a role model, but you by default become one because Mm. of playing sport and all that. So it does come with, I suppose, a responsibility to conduct yourself in a proper way outside of sport you know anywhere you're in the public eye and also you know to make sure that you're setting good standards that they can follow and so there is a sense of that feeling and it's lovely in one way in another way as I said it's like you know it's invasive in another way but it is it is lovely because you know that you can help a young girl and maybe one small conversation that you could have with a young girl could change I suppose what they want to do and where they want to go like I remember when I was younger I got a phone call from Diana O'Hora, she's a male footballer, and she just said like, "Keep going, you're doing great." And I was like, "This is the coolest thing in the world, like that she's calling my house phone to reach out to me." So if you can do that for one person, and that means that that person is going to stay in sport, well, you know that's your job done.
0: Absolutely, yeah. So, and I suppose would you ever feel the uh, onus is on you now to be ringing a young girl if you see that you left her, like some some young one now? But the messages I mentioned. See, I'm a bit torn with the whole social media thing because yeah. on one sense. I think it can be a good thing and in another sense it's it's a nightmare. Now I would probably say Twitter is more so the nightmare rather than Instagram can be a bit more kind of fluffier or easier or whatever. Yeah. Um, plus it's your own circle of friends. I just don't agree with the fact that people just have seem to have access to you no matter what kind of thing. Um, and the stuff, there, there doesn't seem to be any accountability with what people can say and write on, on social media as well. But just in terms of, I suppose, the fact that you can put yourself out there as that kind of role model as such do you think social media is a good thing for young girls in sport now or it can have a detrimental effect
1: I think yeah I think there's definitely two sides to that story because like in one way you're like it's great that they can see I suppose an athlete's life and like maybe what they're doing and again how they can get to where they want to be but also they can follow the wrong type of accounts Mm -hmm. who promote things that maybe aren't Um, as favorable and they're reading and looking at stuff that maybe isn't going to send them in the right direction and that's where the problem lies but also there is so much stuff on it that's like fake in one way and like as an athlete like for me i personally want to i suppose show that yeah i'm a sports person and sports my life and I train every day and I work as hard as I can in every area of my life and it's not just it's not just about training, it's about eating, it's about sleeping, it's about the energy you expend with the people you surround yourself in. There's so much things and elements that you need to, I suppose, consider when you are a sports person in order to, because you have to be the best version of yourself to perform at the best level that you need to. So, for me, there's all of those things, and people only see a fraction of that. And also, you want prote- to portray that you're a normal person, that you do go out, that you have friends, that you have friends outside sport, you have things that switch you off as well. So, you want to try portray all those things. But again, they're seeing such a small snippet that you're like, really, you don't, you have a perception, an idea of me, and you can make your assumptions off that. But it doesn't mean that you actually know, really, like, who, say, Katie McCabe is. Like, mm. you, you see a small part of her oh. life.
0: On that as well, um, I know Katie McCabe as well. She <laughs> she Katie's <laughs> phenomenal at the moment <laughs> and it's the stuff she's doing in terms of Arsenal Aww. and the whole lot. And obviously, and that's another thing. I don't want to go soccer, or Gaelic, AFL with you. I want to kind of combine them all because you combine them all and, and you're yeah. doing them all and almost overlapping on each other. Obviously at the moment you're just with shells in your back but you're under contract with Collingwood with, 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 with in the AFL where obviously you're, you're looking to go back whenever the time comes after the pandemic or when they give you the go-ahead. But I suppose you look at Katie at the moment, and as I said, I would have covered a lot of the women's matches in recent times and uh, captain in our country, but she has become such a public figure now and almost a voice for women's Irish football. And, it's, and, and she's really put herself on a pedestal, really, where like, we're talking about role models and young girls looking up to people. Katie McCabe is just doing phenomenal things
1: unbelievable and I think having grown up with her and played soccer with her under 15, under 17 and under 19 like you see the progression of how it's went for her and she did have a few very difficult years there and you know we'd meet up and we'd chat about it and and all of a sudden then she gets captain of the Ireland team you can see her confidence grow and then all of a sudden she's achieving everything at Arsena- with Arsenal and then she's getting player of the year and like I just, Katie McCabe's success means everything to me as well because I just feel like I've seen the whole journey and like we said people see her doing unbelievable things right now and she is and she's Such a role model for younger younger girls, but she didn't have it easy either like okay. And she got there. She didn't get there by default. She put her head down She worked so hard and you know, there was so many stepping stones to that So I just absolute credit to her.
0: Yeah, you mentioned there you were part of that on her 19 squad I think you scored against Turkey in one of the matches as well So getting to the semi-final and obviously you played with Katie Clear Shine Megan Connolly I think was part of that squad as well so yep. to see the transformation in the girls and not only I suppose domestically but to go across the water as well and what they've achieved uh, as you said it probably gives you great pleasure as well
1: oh it does like we still have a whatsapp group myself chloe and um, emily cahill was involved with us as well and um, claire and katie and we talk like we do talk often about it and just like I suppose we g- reflect back on that under 19 time as a great time because we were achieving with Ireland and that's what you want, where you want to get to. So we'd we'd love if we could all play together again at some point. But I just think that to see like Claire and the girls like and Katie go across the water and achieve there as well. Like, like you know, some sometimes people do, like you achieve in Ireland, but when you achieve in another place like England, especially. Um, You know, you really have done and made it. So, Mm. I'm absolutely delighted to see the girls do so well.
0: You mentioned there about that you joke on WhatsApp, but that there may be the chance to play (laughs) with them again. So, obviously, you're back with Shells. Is that the aspiration to maybe? I know the AFL thing is still ongoing at the moment, as we mentioned, but. Do you think that maybe there might come a day, obviously Vera Pau, we, we spoke to her as well on the podcast and uh, she's very hopeful of the fact that she thinks she can get the team qualified to a major tournament. She's actually quietly confident as well. Um, we mentioned Katie and all the girls who are doing well and the team seems to be pro- progressing and developing. So is that something maybe at the back of your mind as well?
1: I'm probably not getting any younger, so that's one thing. If I could ask for one thing, it'd be more time, but um, I think...
0: You're only young, what's your... <laughs> <Not getting> 26, <laughs> but you I suppose, yeah, years
1: I um, The years go very quickly, they and especially actually, yeah. in sports, um, but I think, like, I'm back playing with Charles, I haven't played in six years, it's been an absolute pleasure to be back with the girls, they've been so welcoming, and it feels like I never left, and... As Pearl says, once once in red, always in red. So, and um, they've really made me feel so welcome in that environment, and that's been great. But I don't exactly know myself, and as I said, I can't keep up with myself at the moment. But you know, you do like to keep your options open, and you do see the progress that the women's um, game has made as well. And you know, you can't help but think like, oh, I had such good times back at under 17, under 19 you know, would I do that again, would I not? But then there's opportunity in AFL as well, and Collingwood has been great, and it's been unbelievable to be in a professional environment. I can't speak highly enough about how much I've learned and how good they have been to me as well. So, and then you have Mayo as well on top of that. So it's like, I suppose the decisions are- I'm getting tired listening to you, with all these- Decisions are not easy, but um, like whatever, if you really want to make it in the top, at the top level in a sport like i do think you really need to commit to that all mm. in and i've done that at different periods of time i'd commit to calling all in i've committed to soccer all in i've committed to gaelic all in so i've tried the three of them and just played one of them at, at one time in my life so i suppose now at the moment it's a bit hectic but um, yeah i do i do need to have a think definitely
0: yeah it's interesting you say that because that's one thing that fascinated me even just reading up on you and the story so far in terms of the career because how do you combine them all you obviously don't you said there you have to pick one because yeah. to be the best at them now with your skill set you could probably play the three and to a level but to be the very best you yeah. do have to dedicate yourself to to one
1: yeah 100 percent. and like there's such different demands of the game like for afl say like i probably need to be about two kg heavier for like gaelic football then i probably need to be a kg lighter and then for soccer probably another kg lighter. so like even in terms of like the way you train the way you mm. eat all of those things Gale- That's AFL before we even get on yeah. the pitch of all this stuff. is more endurance-based and strength-based, and then soccer is you know, agility and speed, mm. and then Gaelic has, I suppose, power, strength, It kind of has a bit of everything. But like they all have different demands as well, so you're prepping your body for different things all the time. But as I said, in order to get the best out of yourself and performance-wise, I do need to just really knuckle down on one at a time.
0: Have you kind of, it's easy to say that, but in your own little quiet moments, have you kind of come to, not the decision that you're going to make, but just in terms of have you come to the conclusion that you will at some point need to sit down because we mentioned there the soccer team and they're obviously doing very well and we spoke to Vera and the opportunities that are in the women's game now, it's phenomenal. Even the stuff we do, say RT, and the coverage is getting like um, covering all the games and the qualifiers and different things. We only had the news a few weeks back about the equal pay for the women's game as well, Sky sponsoring the team. Like, so it's just constantly good news and constantly progressing. So in terms of opportunities, it might be very difficult to, to kind of come to that decision, whatever you decide to do in the future.
1: Yeah, definitely the decision wouldn't be easy at all. And I think it's about sitting down, reflecting, and probably writing out the pros and cons of each sport and what they bring to you. And I suppose how much you enjoy each of them as well and the environment that you're in. So. But like that, there is so much opportunity in soccer mm. now. Even TG Kahar coming on board yesterday for the sure Women's the game, National yeah. League. So like mm. that's unbelievable as well. Um, so it's just constantly progressing. But uh, what I do probably find h- difficult at times is the fact that I'm constantly moving between different countries. So I'm in Australia for six months and then I'm in Ireland. So I'm constantly starting things in one country and then not finishing them. And that for me, it doesn't it's not great mm. but it's sorry it appears unbelievable and it is perfect I'm summer in Ireland summer in Australia amazing happy days great times it is but you know in terms of a work perspective or like just life outside sport mm. as well it's kind of you know you're constantly moving and you're constantly unsettled so for me I probably need to be in one place at one time and just focus on one sport
0: okay so let's focus on one right now <laughs> the AFL Collingwood so that came about I think it was announced in 2018 and you moved over think you played your first game in the February then, 2019, you lost, but it was a brilliant year because did you get named the, first, the best ever first year player? Um, so just in terms of, I suppose, the transformation going from a soccer player here, a Gaelic player with Mayo, over to that professional environment, and how did that all come about, Sarah?
1: Came about through the 2017 All Ireland final. There was a guy watching and he was like, I think you'd be really suited to the game. Would you come over and have a look at a few of the clubs? So I went over and I was absolutely. Th- was there
0: any, before he came to watch that, was there any murmurings or anything? Or any ru- uh,
1: no, and, uh, two weeks later, then Cora Staunton signed um, with the club. So obviously, they're like, they'd been, I think they were only in their first year. So this is their second year. And then I finished college and then went the third year of their, of their uh, season. And yeah, I suppose when I went over, I was like, it's such a different world. Like AFL is everything over there. And you know- it's j- situ- The
0: decision before, when, when they obviously asked you to come over, was yeah. there any hesitation or was- I just, I
1: suppose, it? I think he's just like, I am a very like say yes first figure out how after type person, so I go for everything and then I go, oh, Wait, maybe maybe not. Okay. So you dive straight in. Yeah, I dive straight in all <laughs> the time. So <laughs> I went for it. I was like why not go to Australia for 2 weeks and um, and we had a gap between football between league and championship. So I went then and I was like see how I get see how I get on, but I couldn't get over like the facilities, the everything like it's just like a whole different world and I was like I'm God, it just open your eyes and travel does. You learn so much. You meet so many interesting people. And I think from a personal point of view, you grow a lot mm. as well as on the professional front. So I was like, yeah, okay, I have to go. Like I haven't been over. And then when I got over there, I was like, it's, it's, it's challenging because But it was an enjoyable challenge. But like you step into your first training session, you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't know anything about the game. This shape ball is all over the place. And I feel like this is going to be really hard to achieve here. Like, how am I going to do it? It's like starting a new sport. Starting a new sport, walking into a club with all new girls, like all staff, and everyone kind of, I suppose, observing and analysing you, and you kind of doing the same back, but trying to piece everything together. But like, it's not that easy to piece everything together when you're just a girl from Ireland. It's, it's a different culture as well. Mm. And their humor is even different. I remember being in the change room at one point being like, will I say that? Won't I say that? And like missing moments all the time. So I think there's <laughs> been like, I wasn't only missing moments on the football field. I was missing them socially as well.
0: Are you the bubbly type in the dressing room? Yeah, are you a bit of a messer? I yeah. would. I yeah. would.
1: As time has went on now, i would be very much the messer. Um, myself and another girl that I live with, Ruby Slyther, we're just like, constantly like having the crack. And that helps m- helps you perform as well. Some people need that quiet time, whereas when I'm on, I'm on, and that's it, kind mm-hmm. of thing. But yeah, so it was, at the start, a challenge, but I just broke things down really simply and like journaled my whole way through the, um, the whole process and just making sure I did the controllables really well. And I was like, it'll come, it'll come. But like some days the ball is rolling, and it's just rolling all over the place, and I'm like, I'd say they're looking at me, thinking, "Why in God's name do we take her?" So there was a few very difficult days at the start.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I can, I can. I'm only kind of trying to put myself in that position and thinking, that starting a sport all over again, like, and especially even just the fact that a round ball, don't know, <laughs> <laughs> just the, the most simplest yeah. thing, <laughs> but it's completely the opposite, like you know. Yeah. So I, I'm sure it was really difficult. But were they, the team and the environment that you with into and the staff? Were they more than welcoming, yeah, and helpful?
1: More than welcoming. They were unbelievable. And I think the biggest thing for me is I was like I was probably I would say I was vulnerable and I needed to learn and I needed to learn really quickly. I think I had like ten weeks till our first game and I was like, I want to play the first game. So I was like just very eager to learn I'd be like if there's any feedback at all like just give it to me I just needed to hear everything and just sit down and educate myself on the game as well write everything down and just figure it all out so but from the girl like the girls were unbelievably welcoming and the coaches as well and just like in general the club I was like sitting in the club again and I was looking around the, there's offices around and I'm like this is a business as well mm. as a as well as a sport and you know if I don't perform and we don't perform you know our coach's job might be on the line for instance so you're like you realize the ripple effect and I suppose the pressure as well and then you see money coming into your account that you're like what like I've done this my whole life I've played sport my whole life I don't understand you get paid to do it now so now that comes up more pressure again and it means you need to do things better and you need to be a real professional in everything you do
0: just on that, it's interesting because, as you say, going from the Gaelic world here, amateur level, even the soccer at the time with shells and stuff, I know things are progressing well now, but there's still amateur status or part-time. But the fact that it's professional over there and, as you say, you're getting a wage and there's money going into your account every week due to the fact that you're playing, is there much more scrutiny on you then and, and criticism out from outside? Like, Would it be... As I say, p- newspapers or whatever covering the games, and would there be would there be criticisms and stuff?
1: Yeah, there is there is definitely like when you go onto Twitter after games, like you know if you made a mistake in a big moment or stuff, like you know you'll see it and you'll hear about it definitely. Whereas I don't feel. I you get that much in GA. I can feel it a small bit more coming into the mm. women's game, but not as much as you would get in Australia. But in terms of I suppose the club, they protect protect you a lot as well. And you know you're only allowed to speak to someone in the media if they say you're allowed to speak to the someone in the media, and this is what you need to say. Okay, do you know what okay. I mean? So it's a bit yeah. more like. You know, it's a bit more. Would planted. they allow me to do this? <laughs> 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 I'm not sure would they allow me to do with the Sligo man, but <laughs> 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 um, yeah, <laughs> I think from that point of view, it's like like you said, how like GA players and Instagram and all that stuff, like you're very accessible. We're not so accessible over there because it's like no, you're you know we're a part of the Collingwood brand, so we need to do everything that they have in place for us. So okay. that's that's the difference there. Whereas at home, there's a bit more, like I suppose, with the amateur and um, status, like you said there's a bit more expectation for you to go coach a kid's team just off your own bat or go to a charity event because you should, okay, you know, okay. so yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. different that way, definitely.
0: And, uh, yeah, because, and also, like, in terms of the matches, how many people, say, would attend the games now over there?
1: There would be some game ta- ga- like, big games, I suppose, 40,000. Wow. Um, but between anywhere between kind of 15,000, 20,000 a game, okay. definitely, yeah.
0: So in terms of the whole women's sport as such, I know we, we kind of touched on it at the start, that it's developing here rapidly. All sports, we, we spoke about, obviously, the newspapers and that a few weeks ago when everyone, all the women and Leona Maguire and everyone was all over and it was brilliant news stories. But in terms of how advanced is the whole women's professional scene in all sports over there, are we still miles behind?
1: No, I wouldn't say we're miles behind. Again, it goes back to the, I think, the amateur and the professional setup because, like, as I said, like, the There is a media team there that come to our training and they take pictures of us and then they promote their athletes as part of their brand. They take a video of snippets of our training and then it's posted on social media. And then you know during the week it's like. You know, there's an injury update, and there's um, an article about you know the game ahead that week. So there's you know it's it's a there's a system there that's the same every week. So it's always being promoted. Whereas you know sometimes I suppose with women in sport, depending on the game and depending on how big the game is, it might be promoted more or less. Okay. Do you know? Whereas every so varies depending on the size of the game.
0: Whereas years is just continuous. Every
1: week it's just a system. Yeah.
0: Where is it at now? I know obviously the first year was really successful and it went great for you. Then did they offer in you a two-year contract, but you wanted to come back and play for Mayo? Then yeah. Um, what was the reason for that? Or would
1: see their contracts are only six months long, okay. so we are only yeah like contracted to them for that amount of time. So when I when I come home to Mayo is the time where I'm not contracted. So I'm and contracted do they then. do
0: they encourage the fact that if you come home, they they allow you and they you have no problem playing?
1: They allow you, but I think as time passes, it's going to get harder to do that. I'm, I dislocated my shoulder about four times, it was popping in and out, out for fun this season, which was a disaster. But they, I got surgery over there, I rehabbed over there for two months because I wanted to be the best version of myself for Collingwood next season. But in the middle of that, there was Mayo, and it's like, can I get back? Can't I? So they're like, you know, they have to trust me on that one and be like, we'll do the start of your rehab, and then we have to pass you on to Mayo to the end of your rehab or we'll give you all the work to do but we have to trust their word medically say on whether or not you can play or not and so that's and then you just stay in touch with them the whole time for um so
0: is there a relationship between Collingwood and Mayo or is
1: yeah or is it
0: you and Collingwood and you and Mayo
1: so it's like I've you're trying to build that relationship and like both sides are really open they want to have that relationship because they obviously want but both sides want you (laughs) <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah,
1: I suppose yeah, but Collingwood would be saying like you know we have to trust you as an athlete and if they get put that trust in me I'm never gonna break it either because uh, they've done so much for mm. me So they know that by me going home if I say I'm good to play with Mayo and my body feels good I'm good to go but if I played now on an injury or kind of came back with a small bit of an injury like you know that's where you obviously run into hassles so now at the moment it's just like you know they know I'm playing with shells and um, that's it's all good like is in the GPS and stuff I can send all the detail to them so I'm constantly in contact but like I do have to check in with them and I can't just go I'm I can't just play for shells and not tell Collingwood that I'm doing that you know okay. so it is you are very accountable to them like as you said it's six months contract but like you're a part of their brand for forever more
0: yeah but I can kind of see from their point of view the fact that that's the difference with the amateur and the professional mm-hmm. so once you sign the contract you mentioned the, the money going into the banks there. <laughs> they they have you now they own you yeah. so they they don't want you over here messing around not saying that you will be yeah. but just in terms of they're fearful that you would pick up an injury playing for yeah. Shells or Mayo or wherever and then they're thinking where's our start there are gone then,
1: yeah as well and like last year like I was saying I was going for between Dublin and Mayo and I was driving 15 hours a week and like that's you know they're like you can't keep doing that and i'm like yeah you're right like i can't so this season then i lived in mayo for the season and then i moved to dublin to so i wasn't driving up and down for Shell's train either because even small things like that do make a big difference mm. so like they would always advise me best what to do but they'd always trust me on what i will do and the decisions i'll make but i will cl- i clear everything by them and we have that relationship that now at this point.
0: So have you seen a change? I remember when I was young and playing like that and then it becomes professional and it's your job and, and as you says, I know we're joking about the money but they're paying you a salary and a wage but it took me a good few years before the penny dropped that, that you're a professional now and to live like a professional. Has that taken you time to adjust to or change your mindset in terms of not? I, I don't know how you lived before when you were playing with me or, or Shelburne but just in terms of the fact that you are a professional now has that changed in any way?
1: I think yeah, I think the load of training, I suppose, and the recovery that you need to do is what's really changed. Like, you know, before, like, you'd go to male training, say, three times a week, and you'd do two gym sessions, and, like, that's it, you know, a week done kind of thing, and you'd think that that was enough, but now with Collingwood, when I look at our training load, I'm like, oh, I have a lot to cover this week now, and, like, it is, you know, some days two hours a day, some days more in an evening and that kind of thing but in terms of that then it's like all the little things about being a professional like we said about you know the way you eat the way you sleep and the people you surround yourself Mm. in and all these conversations that we're always having about how to be the best version of yourself and I suppose how to even develop outside of sport as well and like leadership stuff and all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot more area and education wise in the game as well. So all those things take time and like that, like i have Zoom calls now and stuff that are, you know, around the education of the game. So it's a lot more time and I would say more training load for me and then again, I'm more cautious and conscious of the things that I do outside of the training field like the eating and the sleeping and all that stuff.
0: So of course then uh, the pandemic hits and you were were joking off there that you were dodging lockdowns and all sorts trying to get home and you didn't want to be locked down over there. But of course it affects the football side of things as well. So where is that at now in terms of, we mentioned that you came back to play with Mayo with the option of always going back to Collingwood. I think you've signed for the new season. So are you with Shells now with a view to come back to Collingwood when their season starts?
1: yeah so i'm with shells now at the moment and collingwood it's we're waiting on our exemptions to go through so that could happen tomorrow could happen three weeks time it could be two months time last year it kind of was like we were always going and um, but we were never gone so it was like you know it was kind of constantly waiting so like what i did say to myself at this time was like i'm not going to wait for something to happen i'm just going to live my life as if I'm gonna be here for the next couple of weeks because otherwise I'll be waiting. But saying that I could be gone um, quickly enough. But I, I hope to be around for as long as I can be for Shells. And like I said, like I really have enjoyed it and you know wouldn't like for the time to be cut short. But at the same time, when I have to go, I have to go.
0: Have you got used to being back home?
1: Yeah, you see, that's it. You set. It takes me. It definitely takes me at least two months, I'd say, to settle. Because I'm settling into. I've, you know, more or less living. I'm living with. I was living with two girls um, from the club, but you're kind of living on your own schedule. Like the only group of people that you have, I suppose, in your life is you have a few friends outside of sport. But it's Collingwood is your club, your family, your everything. So you have that. But you come home to Ireland, it's like half my life's in Mayo clothes are in Mayo, half of my clothes are in Dublin, my friends are in Dublin, there's Shells, there's Mayo, there's my club team, there's my family. There's so many things that you kind of have to keep up with. And Mm -hmm. I come home and I'm like, I'm completely overwhelmed by the fact that it's not just Collingwood and that one focus. There's Mm -hmm. a hundred other things going on when I come home. So for me, it does take me, I'd say, Honestly, six weeks to two months to settle. So I'm settled now okay. and then I move again. I know, that's
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the story of your life yeah. so far, Sarah. Yeah. But you've obviously enjoyed the Collingwood thing and, and you're very much looking forward to going back. Let me get into the nitty-gritty now though. When it comes to and I'm not sure have your decisions made and I'm sure you want to go over there and give it your best and there's opportunities there in terms of financially as well, I'm sure, with, yeah. with contracts and all sorts, but the whole shells thing you've really enjoyed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry I put it on the phone now. <laughs> feel bad now. Um, no. I don't like really feel I, bad. I have, <laughs> 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 I
1: have really enjoyed it, but like that, it's like, Mayo have India. you any preference I have in terms
0: of, we haven't even really gone into the Mayo thing and you obviously love playing Gaelic yeah. for Mayo as well.
1: I don't, at the moment, I don't have a preference. I am kind of going with the whole, like, I'm living every day as it comes because I have to maybe up and leave tomorrow. So I'm like, I can't think about anything else other than today, tomorrow, and the next day. Um, so that's the way I'm trying to live. I suppose the best way to live in the present, as everyone talks about at the moment. But it definitely is. <laughs> um, I think, like... I think with Collingwood as well, you know, I've given them my commitment as well and like I, you know, I wouldn't take back my word and something like that. So like for now, I'm like, I won't think about anything other than that until you know, such time where I actually am ha- back into a corner to have to make a decision. So for me, I'm just living in the present. Okay, living in the present. <laughs> good that answer. politically, good. politically <laughs> correctly answered no, that a good question. Answer. <laughs> no, maybe it's
0: me just thinking. We'd love to see in a green jersey again, and obviously the, the shells thing. I played with shells as well, so there's a bit of a connection there. But just the um, the fact that yeah, there's so much going on with the Irish team at the moment. Yeah. Like there's a lot of good news stories around the team. We've already touched on the girls that are doing very well. I said we spoke to Vera Vera has a real kind of good strong feeling I know she'd say that maybe as a manager anyway but genuinely yeah. she feels like that there's a, a an opportunity here I suppose that was the reason she stayed on because yeah. once her contract finished and they came so close in the last campaign she could have easily walked away but she she's kind of committed to that the fact that yeah. she obviously feels as though there's there's opportunities here you did play for Ireland under 19 was it one cap then against Hungary uh,
1: with the seniors yeah. I went away to what, was it Croatia cl- oh yeah, or yeah I think I played three or four games okay. at that time, yeah. Um, so so yeah. is that
0: something, again, you want to add to the tally of caps and it's all sorts? I
1: suppose, like, you could never say that you don't want to play for Ireland. Of course you want to play for Ireland. It's an absolute honour, and I, I forget, and but I also always remember like how proud it made you feel to put on the green jersey, as it does any other jersey mm. that you're representing. But when, even when I was at training last week, you know, you put on the green jersey and you're like you know you love it and you love being at that standard you want to play at the highest standard standard possible so it's not something that I'd ever say no I'm done with that chapter of my life that's done so I would definitely keep my options open and you know as I said there is so much and there is so much opportunity at the moment so I couldn't but I suppose think about soccer you know second think about it and have a second think but right now just have to focus on what you
0: mentioned here and something that fascinates me as well Sarah in the world we live in nowadays about Everyone talks about living in the present and mindsets and, and life coaches and psychological mm-hmm. psychologists and all sorts of different things we have now who are so prevalent in sport, but just would you be the type, you're saying there but keeping your options open and you kind of fly by the night, I'm, I'm yeah. guessing, and, and you go here diving in and going here there <laughs> and everywhere, but would you be the type in your own kind of private time or quiet time, do you set goals for yourself?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I'd set long-term goals firstly, and then I'd set short-term ones in say, like you know, because I think as an athlete, you really have to hold yourself accountable because there's things that, you know, you like say like your nutrition or like how many times a week you train or like what intensity you train at, things like that. Like that, you can you can hide from yourself, like if you want, and you can fool yourself all the time. I do it all the time, but I also know that. So even in terms of training
0: sessions, you would actually. Analyze them and, and see where you're giving it well, all. Well, you would
1: like. So say like last week, I was like, oh, I'm having a tired week. I need to figure out why. Like, what's going on? My training isn't. I'm not. You know, because you do, as an athlete, you can progress, 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 plateau. Do you know? And so you need to figure out why or if that's OK. And then you speak to your S&C and have these conversations to understand, I suppose, maybe why what will be going on for you that week that maybe you are plateauing. So I think it's good to understand. Once you understand something, at least you don't go, oh, I'm mentally weak or I'm not able at the moment. So I've got through all my sessions last week, but I would have said I didn't get through them to the standard I wanted to. So then I would analyze that. Do you know, and um, I definitely do set, and then personally goes like every day, yeah, I journal every night before I go to bed and every morning when I wake up. So that's just about, I suppose, you know, a structure to your day, knowing what's happening for the day, and um, knowing. Did I, I get a mention today? <laughs> you <laughs> did. You were at twelve o'clock <laughs> podcast. <laughs> the
0: Sligo boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: so you are written in the diary today.
0: It's yeah. uh, no, it is. It's real interesting because so many t- people do it now, and even I found, particularly since lockdown, it would have been something that I never would have really kind of thought about or looked at, but. Once you were able to press pause and everything, I think people got to a fa- stage where they were ab- able to prioritise what's important, what's not important, who's important, who's not important. Yeah. Your time and who you're giving yes. your time to and who you're not giving your time to. Um, and the likes of that, Like I, I speak to so many people now and there's this one lad in particular sticks out my mind who started journaling as well. Like, and, and it's something that interests me as well. Um, but it's interesting that you say it, you do it in the evening and in the, the following morning.
1: Yeah, because I suppose the morning is kind of setting my day off on the right note, and then the evening is about me being accountable to what I did for the day. So then it's like, okay, did you say all you did, you do all you said you do today? And if you didn't, it's okay, like you move on to the next day, whatever. But it's just about knowing where you're at. So for me, that's and really is that
0: cool. just in life in general, not like you're journaling about things, yeah, not necessarily sport,
1: about loads like. Eph, I I <laughs> wouldn't like anyone to see my journal. No, but but yeah. I, could be, I could be talking about anything because, like as I said, if you're not mentally right, you're not going to be right for your sport, nor are you going to be giving the best version to even your friends and your family when you meet up with them. So I think for me, it has been huge. You can either buy into it or not, but mm. I'm, I do believe that if you buy into that whole journaling thing, that you know you do reap the benefits of it. But yeah, there's there's so much to be gained for it.
0: And would you be hard on yourself?
1: Yeah, very. I would say, yeah, definitely.
0: Because I, what often kind of from listening to you there, I'm thinking where you're doing the analysis on, say, the training session stuff you mentioned, and you're saying I, I didn't perform to maybe. But would you be the type that would write? Because I, I think people in general, sports people are their worst critics. Mm. Whereas I think it's a good thing as well if you're writing down that you had a great week and you're writing down I was flying this week and I was. Like, but know. I
1: suppose you yeah, the. Like some of the journals, like, do say, like, I would say, you know, three positives uh, today and things to improve on tomorrow. So, even my language would be important there instead of being like, what did I do bad today? Mm. I'd be like, things to improve on. So, for me, then I'm like, that's not a big deal. I can improve on it. But when you write things down as well, it takes all the emotion out of it. It's just black and white. And you're like, okay, what I thought maybe there was a big deal is actually not a big deal. It's no stress at all so that's why i find it so helpful but like yeah i definitely would be hiring yourself and i think as sports people you know people say oh like you've done this you've done that fair play you might have achieved that i'm like i've never i actually don't think i've achieved anything because yeah. i don't think i'll ever get to the standards that i ever want to be at and the things that i want to win and i don't know if i ever will so I don't essentially think you've achieved anything. Mm. So that's the way sports people think, and it's crazy in one way. You've achieved plenty, Sarah. You've achieved plenty. I look at other sports people, and I'm like, wow, that person has achieved so much, but most sports people are probably yeah, they didn't feel like they've achieved yeah, anything.
0: Yeah, well, and, and when you're in the moment as well, you're always looking ahead. It's probably it's only when you finish up playing you might look you back might and reflect on and things reflect, like that yeah, you know, yeah. and realise, well, I did actually do okay for myself. Yeah. But while you're in that, you're striving for other things, and with the amount you've gone on, um, just before you've been great with your time, and before we finish up, influences. I want to talk to you about Hugh Lynn the school principal. What
1: a man! Yeah, <laughs> was he a great man? Yeah, I, did you did that Stay. just come up? You just did your do your research.
0: Your <laughs> research.
1: When did you do that this morning, just before you I came? I was in? journaling this
0: morning, <laughs> and, and I did a really journal last night, and I found out about Hugh Lin.
1: <laughs> Hugh Lin, uh, well, yeah, unbelievable. He. Taught me so he's my school principal um, at the Key National School, and he taught me so many lessons from such such a young age. Because I would have said that like if I didn't have him in my life, I feel like I was a bit of a like I was a bit of a brat. Like I was just like very cheeky, like I do me, good luck to everything else kind of thing. And like in terms of sport, like he just pushed me to my absolute boundaries all the time. Like he made me do athletics. I was like, I don't want to run, don't like athletics. And he'd be like, Well, if you don't, if you're not fit you can't play football. So then I learned quickly I needed to be fit and needed to work hard as a young kid. Then he said a good player will always play with both feet. So then every time I'd play against the girls, everyone else could use their right foot, I had to use my left. So again, I was taught and forced into a corner from a young age. And I remember then one day not passing the ball a few times and kind of doing my own thing. And like, you know, I get intercom, um, could I speak to Sarah Rowe, please? I end up having to walk up to the office and sit in the bowl corner and he'd be like, do you know what you did wrong today? And I'd be like, so he's constantly getting feedback, but like also disciplining me, which like I didn't appreciate at the time. I used to sulk all the time. And he was like, you're so difficult. That's but it. then as time progressed, he was like, you're mature and I can see it and it's coming. And so I'm always very, very grateful and thankful for the time and the effort that he put into me. And I suppose maybe what he saw that I could, could progress in sport. and. Then I also, I suppose my dad is probably another person as well in terms of influences, and my mom. My mom's unbelievable because she switches me off completely. She just says she doesn't care, how do you love me, any news today, like doesn't care about sport, really, but is there to support me through everything. And you know, does my washing. <laughs> Cooks me food, just <laughs> all, all the good moments. We'll <laughs> <of> <laughs> <laughs> I am. I've learned to be since going away. But then, Dad is like he demonstrates hard work to me every single day of his life. So he's been such a role model in the way he works. Like he works between China and Ireland, and he gets up every morning at half three every morning, and he works until seven o'clock in the evening. But in the meantime, he fits in so much family time. He's the most proactive dad, and he's there for us in absolutely everything at, at our beck and call anytime we need it but because he demonstrates that and I see what hard work looks like and we talk about, I suppose we always have conversations with myself, mum and dad and my two sisters, Lauren and Fiona, but we speak a lot in our house about everything so mm. they facilitate those conversations for us so that we can get things off our chest and I think that like having that relationship with my parents and as I said dad's showing me what it looks like to work hard um, has been something that's installed in me and I think uh, that's one thing I always want to do is just work hard and you know the rest will come.
0: Brilliant, Jan. Yeah, it's so good to hear you speak so lovingly about them because that's important. And it's it's mad how even one person, like a teacher, can have such a like. I go back to even there's one same as that, a teacher that has had such a kind of uh, impact on your life. Like, and and maybe at the time you didn't even realise what what that man was doing, and he was probably just giving up his time and and saw the potential and the talent in you. But as you used to, you used to probably used to get annoyed about it or sulk about it, yeah. whereas you look back now and think amazing a man, like you know.
1: Oh, I literally used to <coughs> fight with them all the time and like, he'd ring home on me everything, really, like everything. Yeah. As in like, this, tr- she's a bold girl, like kind of thing, calling me Donna. But <laughs> I would <laughs> literally be like, but then as time, like as I got older in six, I remember being in sixth class being like, well, I'm actually, I wanna win the cross country now and I wanna, do this, and I would to do that. So it got he got me to that point by the time I was in sixth class. But it took him a good few years yeah, to get yeah. me there. But
0: he probably done it in and a way was where persistent. Yeah, but he wasn't forcing it on you either, which I think is so important for young because the people rebel against that. Like and um, but it's interesting. But yeah, I just I had to ask you about were. Good was coaches
1: like as well like have such a big impact. Like Dave Connell as well. He I we had soccer trials um for the under nineteens and or for the under seventeens. And I was injured and I couldn't train, so he sent me home. So I went home and I played for Mayo the next day and didn't think of, didn't know it was on TV. It was on TV, and I get a phone call the next day saying, you know, you're dropped. Like, and I was like, that was a lesson. Wow. Do you know, but he he turned around and said that I didn't go. I think they went to Spain like two weeks later, and I didn't go. And I remember sitting at home being like, oh my God, I'll never disobey a coach again because. Well, now he I just said, said he said he
0: di- you didn't go
1: he said good luck like you're, you're dropped to okay. the next camp and then he called me back in again and he said like have you learned your lesson and are you going to commit to soccer now because if you are there's an opportunity and if you're not good luck to you again did you think he was right at the time? he was right and then I committed all into under 19 soccer and then that was I suppose the great year that we had but I gave it absolutely everything and I never <laughs> I never disrespected him again but we've mm. been a great relationship yeah. and I always respect him for that as well but um, he just taught me again so much about hard work but like Discipline well, um, is so
0: important as well. Discipline yeah, is huge. Everything. You have to
1: listen. Like, it's not It's not about you. It's about the team and it's about the whole environment. And like, again, being in a professional environment, you learn that very quickly. It's like, how can you be a really good teammate? How can you be a really good person as well as a player? Because all those things really do matter and they do filter within the team.
0: Sarah, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, it's lovely to meet you as well and I wish you all the best obviously I'd be kind of more on the soccer side so hopefully you go down that road never mind that Australian (laughs) stuff Uh, I know I'm joking we wish you well in that as well obviously you will go back but if it comes down the road that there's the opportunity to maybe come back and prolong your soccer career and maybe see you in the green jersey again we would love that but it's been an absolute pleasure so thank you (laughs) thank you very much thanks for having me and I'd better be in the journal again tonight (laughs) (laughs)
1: it's been a pleasure
0: Thank you for joining us here on Stronger With Sport. Tune in to us ahead of the Extra.ie FEI Cup semi-finals where we will sit down with former Dundalk Cup legend Gary Rogers who has played in five of the last six finals and holds three winner's medals. This will be one podcast Irish football won't want to miss. And don't forget, for all your sports news, make sure you log on to extra.ie forward slash sport.